Welcome to the National Football League. enemy lines, dog. Hello and welcome back. This is, I guess, episode three because we did a little aftermath on our first, but our second game of Behind Enemy Lines. Um, Jay Frog leading the way with you here. Um, glad to have along with us our Tennessee Titan fan, EJ. You're going to get to know him as well as the Titans throughout this. So, uh, before we get started, just want to give a, a big shout out to FL Teams, flteams.com, uh, anything Florida sports, man. Uh, if it's a baseball, a basketball, a hockey puck, um, you know, if, if it has anything to do with Florida sports, it's your one-stop shop for everything. Um, great articles, great content, fans talking about teams, uh, podcasts, photography, anything that you want, flteams.com. Make sure you go check them out. Um, also, this podcast is sponsored by Symbol. Symbol is the stock market for sports. Basically, it allows you to trade sports teams like their stocks. Uh, you earn cash payouts when your team wins. Symbol's blended sports in the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in, in and profit off your favorite teams. So use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your team wins. So join the already 6,000 plus early adopters who have started to profit off of their sports knowledge. Visit www. S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot com. That's uh, symbol dot com. S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot com. Or visit the link in the description. Um, and you can also find the symbol app. Whenever you do log on and create your first uh, free account, make sure that you use the uh, make a deposit. Make sure you use the promo code FLTeams. That'll give you an extra $10 deposit bonus uh, to help build your portfolio. Um, so with that being said, we'll go ahead and get into this. Uh, this week is, uh, you know, our Miami Dolphins riding a seven-game winning streak, sitting at eight and seven in the seventh seed, seventh spot in the AFC, facing the Tennessee Titans and our old friend Ryan Tannehill. Um, so with that, I'll introduce EJ. EJ, uh, welcome board. Really, really appreciate you joining us to go over this. Um, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about you and your Titan fandom, buddy. Uh, I have been a Titan fan for probably as long as I can remember, uh, obviously dating back to the earlier days with the Kevin Dysons and the, the, the Eddie Georges and the Steve McNairs, um, the legends, the Frank Wycheks when it comes to who is affiliated with, with, um, uh, with Titans football, but, uh, been a fan ever since I, I have, uh, I actually have, uh, my grandfather is a, a university of Miami graduate. He was a Miami law. So I, I have ties to Florida sports, too. It's just when it comes to the professional, my allegiance lies with the Titans. It's where I'm born and bred. So that's that's how I got to it. I love it, man. So, so were you around and a fan for the Music City Miracle? I was. I was. I was born in 90. So I was I was young. Um, but that being obviously that that playoff stretch into the Super Bowl, um, upsetting the Bills in, in that fashion. I don't even think you had to have been a certain age to be able to comprehend what was going on with, you know what I mean? It's just, it was one of those things that as a Titans fan, 
you're never going to forget everyone. It's Music City Miracle. People who don't even know football are, can, can associate themselves in some way or fashion with the Music City Miracle. Man, that whole year, Dyson coming up just like a half yard short. Like, I wasn't uh, fighting. I, Every year when the Dolphins don't make the playoffs, I find somebody to pull for, so I care. And that year yeah. it was Tennessee. So, um, yeah, man, that was tight. So, um, so but basically what we do here, man, is we're going to go through. Um, we'll have you break down and, and give us a little bit. You know, the whole, the whole goal of this, and it worked out great last week with the Saints, is – you know, all of us can be NFL fans, but nobody really knows a team like a fan of the team. Right? Sure, sure, we, sure. we know the ins and the outs. So being able to share that and get a little bit, bit of, you know, inside knowledge, um, learn some new players and what it is. So that perspective. So that being said, man, you guys had San Francisco last week. Give us a breakdown, man. Give us your take. Um, I, for the form and fashion, we had to do it missing essentially our whole left side of the offensive line. Um, no Taylor Lewan, no Roger Saffold. Um, Obviously, you don't want to see Tannehill have to target one receiver 16 times, which is what he did with A.J. Brown, 16 targets, 11 receptions, 145 yards and a touchdown. That's not what you want. But coming away with that win, we were obviously hoping to seal the division, but the Colts ended up pulling whatever out. They, they've had a miraculous season, too. I, 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 similar to what they, they started one in five or, or one, in, one in four, similar to how the Dolphins kind of started really slow, really shaky start. Um, they developed their run game and they called a rhythm, but hoping we could have closed out last year. It wasn't the fashion I wanted to win it in um, against San Francisco without Henry though. And, and, and our bread and butter being on the ground between the tackles um, and then bounce and play action off of that. It's hard to implement that with Deontay Foreman and, 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 and Hilliard and Jeremy McNichols. It's just, there's no consistency to those guys. It's a three back rotation for a reason because they haven't found consistency out of one of them yet. So it's, it's more of which one can get us ahead of the sticks on first and second down, and let's just roll with him for the drive. Wasn't the way I wanted to play the game, but that was also a surging 49ers offense that had been playing hot the past three or four weeks. Their defense had stepped up. Um, they had been live the past four or five weeks. So happy with the win, not happy with how we won it, though, just because – you know, the, the, the obvious uncertainties that were surrounding with COVID and, and all these odd injuries. Hey, I'll tell you from every Dolphin fan, thank you. Um, because, you know, we gave away our draft pick, essentially trading it for San Francisco's. So, you know, every L that goes on the 49ers is a big one for us. I know, I know. Like my Eagles friends up here, man, they're, they're just like, because I'm outside of Philly. They, they they loved me at midseason. They won't even talk to me now. They thought they were like a top five draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they, they wrote they, they yeah because they wrote you off seven weeks ago. Exactly. Hey, man, you know what, man? The, the entire NFL has everybody, and, and even still, and like it's funny. I'm usually a laid back guy. I, I'm a little bit worked up in my dolphindom today, just because, man. Like, look, I, I kind of ride the same boat as you. We we beat the Saints on Monday night, twenty to three. Saints had twenty two players out with on the oh. COVID list. I mean. And, you know, you're starting Ian Book, who literally was like their fourth-string quarterback rookie out of Notre Dame. Um, so, in my eyes, we did what we were supposed to do, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it, we – You got the we end result. You got the end result you wanted, essentially. That's it. And, um, you know, I could kind of tell, and, and I talked about it a little bit with our Saints thing that we did before, is, look, when the first drive comes out and we get a pick six to go down and score – and at the end of the first quarter, the Saints have minus two yards of offense. 
from there, the game plan, I mean, look, I think you'll understand this more than most, man, because um, Flores and, and, you know, and your coach, they have come from that Belichick tree. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and truly come from that Belichick tree, which means Flores knew when we went up 7 nothing. well, and then kick a field goal, you're up 10 nothing. At this point, what do you need to do? Like the, right. the Saints aren't going to score on you. Right, just, right. They weren't. Right. So I, I think, you know, a lot was said. And I even heard, like, I listened to a 45 minute Dolphins podcast, the Dolphins podcast. And the first 30 minutes was three guys talking about how bad the Dolphins played on Monday night. Like, <laughs> what do you want, man? I, I mean, and, and, and it, it's kind of been that way around the board with a lot of teams this year. It's like, what, what do you, what, what can, what, I don't think anyone's expectations have lined up with how the season has gone for any team around the board. No one thought New England was going to do what they're doing with the with 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 Mac Jones and how they how they performed last year. No one thought that um, uh, Derrick Henry would go out with a foot injury, you know, seven games in after leading the NFL. There's just there was so many variables this year that has put this season on such strain. I don't think anyone could have predicted this year the things that are going on from from start to now. Right, which in, in, in my thing with the Dolphins is, you know, everybody seems to overlook. You win seven straight in the NFL. That's seven straight NFL games. I don't care if it's the Panthers, the Jets, twice, the Giants. Look, Doesn't look, matter. Any given Sunday, man, seven is seven. Yep. And, um, you know, we had a very similar game plan, though. I mean, Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle was our offense. I mean, Jalen Waddle's having an unbelievable season, man. Um, he is five catches away from breaking the all-time rookie record for receptions. Um, and if he, he breaks get that, if he breaks a Seminoles record, if he breaks Anquan Bolden's record, I'm okay with it. I'll take that all day long. Yeah, he had ten receptions, um, and moving him around everywhere. He was he was our AJ Brown, uh, AJ Brown, except we just couldn't put him out on the side one on one. We we had him in the backfield, we had him in the slot, we had him in motion, we had him outside. Right. Obviously, him and Tua have a connection from Alabama. Um, yeah. So the game plan kind of was just look Tua just manage this thing through, and we did. Um, so you know, for me. I, I'll take that win every time. Um, you know, you play who's in front of you. I mean, we did what we were supposed to do. Ian Book in the first quarter, man, the Dolphins threw every exotic that they possibly could at him. We, we were amoeba. There's no linemen. There's eight coming. There's four drop. Like, Ian Book, poor guy. I'm, a, I'm an Irish fan. You're a Hurricane sure. fan. I'm an Irish fan. Sure. Like, sure. I wanted sure. Ian Book to be okay, but, I mean, that first quarter, man, you know. You know, I, 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 did, I did like, too, and a, and a lot of my Hurricane fans, <clears throat> they'll be able to chime in and, and notice this, too. Uh, that that pick six that he threw to start the game, that was that was his his pass picked off for six against my. I bet he had flashbacks when he was down at the Orange Bowl, uh, or he was at a Hard Rock Stadium doing that stuff too. So we all had a good yeah. little giggle about that. It was good stuff, man. All right, so I mean, we kind of mentioned it. You guys, uh, obviously, your offense is not where you thought it was going to be at this point of the season. Um, Derrick Henry, who who comes back from that, I mean, one of the true workhorse backs in the NFL, a three-down back, right? There's not a lot of those guys anymore. Um, so, I mean, where are you at offensively now? You know, how do you, how do you kind of see the, the Titans' offense? Um, <clears throat> in in, in for, you talking about for the Dolphins game? Yeah, for the Dolphins game. So, for the Dolphins game, I, I would say they got to win on first downs. First first downs, obviously, second downs as well. They got to win on first downs. To to to, we we line up under center probably more than any team in the NFL does. We run play action probably heavier than almost any team in the NFL does. 
Um, but it's because our bread and butter was Derrick Henry. When he's lined up in the backfield and he run play action, you almost have to put eight in the box. Um, it takes three or four linemen to take him down, not even to linebackers and safeties. Um, so if if we can if we can win on first down and we can have we can get ahead of the chains on first and second to keep Ryan Tannehill from throwing the ball to one guy sixteen times, I, we've we've got to stay away. I know it, I know it worked for us against San Francisco, um, and that was obviously fortunate for us, but. That that's not our mo going into any any game week by week is to have to have Tannehill put the ball in the air thirty two times. So you you guys converted a lot of long third downs against. Yes. I mean, tons. Every time I look up, it was like third and eight, third and ten, third and seven. Like you're yep. behind it a lot, and and it seemed yep. like you were converting. I think at one point it was like seventy percent conversion on third downs. Oh yeah, and, the, and those and those and those conversions were super fortunate. Now, obviously, we're glad they happened, but. Game by game, getting ahead on first down, getting that second and second and six, second and six, second and six, second and five, so you can turn a third and two into a first down instead of being a third and eight or third and seven or third and eleven. Um, getting ahead of those sticks on on first and second down, I think, are going to be our some of our vital keys offensively um, to have some success against the Dolphins. And that that pass rush this, this these past five or six games from Miami is disgusting. Dude, Absolutely over disgusting. The past three games, past three games, averaging almost six sacks a game. Yeah, um, you guys are first in the NFL with forty-five sacks. It, and here's the key to it: is it's funny. You were kind of talking about how when Derrick Henry's in there, you have to put eight men in the box. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: the Dolphins put eight men in the box. They don't care anyway. Back there. I know. <laughs> you know, because literally, I mean, you're looking at like you know, um, you know, uh, Brandon Jones, or you know, I and that the safety as well as Javon Holland, those guys are bringing heat and you know, they're in the box constantly. I think Javon Holland and Jones have some of the highest pass for us percentage in the NFL. And, and that's because we're fortunate enough in most games to be able to just put, um, just be able to put Xavier, you know, put, put Howard, put Xavier and Howard locked on a corner and, and then put Byron Jones locked on a corner. And then that just leaves Brandon and, you know, Javon to float because yeah. normally those guys can just lock it down. Yeah. I don't know if we can do that against A.J. Brown. Um, this is going to be a showcase <laughs> for Xavier Howard to show, you know, that, that he is who they say he is. I mean, I think yeah. he is, but that's going to be a tough matchup. Hey, he, he vied for that extension for who knows how long. Wanted Jalen Ramsey money, wanted Stephon Gilmore money, and they paid the man. Now he's got to play like the man. Absolutely. And if we can do that, I mean, I know your offensive line's getting healthier, but uh, the Dolphins too, man, it comes from everywhere. Um, just just saw today, Jerome Baker was named the defensive player of the month. Um, in the, you know, the last three games, he has three and a half sacks, six quarterback hits, six tackles for a loss. Jerome Baker has, has finally played like the guy that we drafted him and thought he was going to be. So now we have mm-hmm. a linebacker leading the way. And, you know, for the first, that, that one and seven skid, everybody was, you know, your hurricane, right? Where's Jalen Phillips? Where's Jalen Phillips? Oh, I know. Oh, they know I where know. he is now. Yeah. They know where yeah. he is now. Yeah, like, now you have to account for him. Absolutely. And then Agba on the other side. And, you know, on the inside, what gets overlooked with that, too, is Raekwon Davis and, and Christian Wilkinson. I mean, this, this Dolphins offense has built its – or defense has built itself to an elite level. The way that they're playing right now with the talent and who they have. So when I look at us looking at the Titans, 
of course, I see that X factor being X. You know, Xavier has to, to stick on AJ the whole time. Um, and, I mean, outside of that, man, I mean, your offensive line, I know they were a little beat up against San Francisco. Um, I, you know, I watched some of the Pittsburgh game. Um, they were opening up some holes for the backs, you know, the three-headed beast that was coming through. But um, we, we got to win on the defensive line because if we can make a pocket collapse on Tannehill, I still see the Tannehill I saw in Miami a little bit. I still see those dancing feet. Oh, we, I mean, we through, uh, to, to the tune of 14 interceptions this year. We've seen it this year, too. Yeah. Um, he, he gets himself in a little panic frenzy, and he throws the ball probably where it shouldn't be. Now, out of those 14 picks, I'd say, I'd say four to six of them are not totally his fault. Deflections, tips. Um, but that's that's still eight to ten interceptions um, uh, from a little a, a little nervousness, maybe a little dancing feet, little little seeing ghosts. You know, kind of what Sam Darnold did, what what um, Bill Belichick <laughs> did to Sam Darnold two years ago, had him seeing yeah. ghosts in the backfield. And I I think um, now that Tannehill has that reassurance on the left side, um, I, I I think hopefully I'm I'm going to try to speak this into existence. We see a little more confidence out of him in the pocket this week. Well, you know, the other thing I saw, too, is, and it was another thing in Miami, is he still doesn't really protect the ball when he's getting sacked. There's, there, there's strip sacks, you know, a lot, or it looks like the ball's coming loose back there, um, which is, you know, you're right. He grew into what he needed to be in a play-action quarterback, right? And we could never give him that in Miami, and he's very good at doing that. Um, so we got we to gotta put pressure on Tannehill. We got to collapse the pocket. We, we have to get pressure. Um, in whatever way we got to bring it, we we got to get in the space. And I'll be curious to see too. I, I know you 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 emphasize, you know, Xavier Howard has to play for for his money's worth essentially. Come this Sunday, you know, your playoff hopes are on the line. Um, the Titans obviously want to get a division, uh, another division win, uh, another division championship, so our conference championship. So I mean, we 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 need. I, I'm going to be curious and interested to see. If we start to move AJ Brown into the slot, into the inside a little bit, does Xavier Howard follow, or does he stay to his one side and 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 they let your nickel corner work off of AJ Brown? If if that's the case, AJ Brown's going to eat all day, and he'll get those sixteen yeah. targets again if the running game's not in our favor. Yeah, I mean, if we, if, I think we got to shadow him. If not with Xavier, you've got to get safety. Byron Jones. Um, yeah. you know, you you've got to have one of those two corners. Um, because quietly on the other side of X, man, I mean, you know, uh, Byron Jones is a heck of a corner too. Um, you know, those guys make a tandem that makes the defensive lines life easy. Um, I don't think you're going to have much success running the ball. I mean, the offensive line seems to grade it a little bit, but, um, you know, I mean, the, the Dolphins have done a pretty good job of bottling everything up. I mean, last week against Kamara, they were holding them to like three yards of carry. Yeah. Um, of course, the Saints' offensive line was pretty beat. Sure. Um, but, I mean, the thing that does worry me about Tannehill is mobile quarterbacks can still give us trouble, and Tannehill's a mobile quarterback. Well, um, if, you, if you remember last week when they played San Francisco, one of the biggest plays of the game was that, I think it was like an 18-yard scramble right up the gut. And, and I've noticed the past, you know, 10-ish games or so, Tannehill has been a little bit better stepping up into the pocket instead of being outside of the pocket. He's been using that middle lane a little bit to pick up, you know, five, six, seven, eight yards um, instead of, you know, dropping back and essentially rolling out into coverage or into, into a sack. So 
Um, but that, you know, to, to, to your tune, he can, he can make some plays, some sneaky athletic plays with his legs. And it's, and it's usually when you don't expect it either. Yeah. Well, and in, in, in rolling out, I mean, Tannehill's a, a, he's got good accuracy getting out of the pocket too. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's rolling out, you know, uh, even evading, you know, pressure, I've seen it, you know, he, he seems to find lanes for peace. So outside, like, cause I know there's, you know, Julio's hurt that whole other thing. I mean, Look, I, I, I give you like zero like uh, sympathy for Julio. We paid Will Fuller ten million dollars to not. Oh, oh, I mean, oh, I, I know, I, man. It, the, the kids had a broken finger and he's played two games all year. <laughs> like how broke he's, he's had a he's finger? had a. You know, I, I listened to a little thing on on a, a fantasy podcast earlier today, and they were like, you know, the guys like the Will Fullers who can't stay healthy. They were talking about PED usage. Um, and steroid usages, it's almost like, hey, you want to allow those guys to maybe take a shot every once in a while so they can stay on the field and they can, you know, uh, uh, carry out their contractual obligations to being available and playing football. That guy's hurt at least two two separate instances every season. And we gave him $10 million guaranteed for one year. Yeah, he's literally caught two balls. He is he's he has made five million dollars per reception. Isn't that something? Don't you wish you could do that? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, oh, this guy, man. And he was gonna be our dude. He was the guy to take it off the top, you know. Um, so but so I know Julio and how that's been, but honest to goodness, this is where I learned who else catches passes for Tennessee. Uh I tell you, uh Westbrook Aquina has been a a, a bright spot. Um uh, for and I say a bright spot because you hear the name and you don't even think he's a football player. No one can associate that name on any roster, right? So mm-hmm. the production we've got from him, I got to say, I'm proud of because nobody knows who the kid is. Um, Ferkser is is a solid tight end. We have we don't really have too much production of our tight ends. You know, past when Jonu Smith was here, just because we could use him on jet sweeps, he was a lot more athletic, a lot more speedy uh, than what we have now. And then you have Chester Rogers, who was the the free agent acquisition that we brought in. He was cut from the Colts a while back. Um, he was someone that I was hoping would be op- able to operate and be like a safety net for Ryan Tannehill that has just like uh, essentially crapped the bed this year. He's fumbled a myriad of, of, of special teams returns, whether it's punt return, kick return. You know, he's got butter fingers. He's too much popcorn every time he goes back to field a punt. Um, and then and then you have the, the, the lack of health from Julio Jones. You know, everyone – was like, hey, we've got this, we've got one of the best three-headed monsters skill-wise position in the NFL. Well, what does it matter when when one of them, now two, can't even stay on the field? Yeah, that, that's rough, man. And so that's that's what I was kind of looking at. I just watched some at a little bit of time. So I went back and just caught like those little 15-minute, you know, highlight push the game together things yeah. for the Titans yeah. over the last couple of games. And I'm like, who's catching balls? I mean, I saw some, you know, back, you know, a couple of backs make some catches. Um, you know, early Dontrell, on, I, I like Deontay Foreman. Dontrell but, Hilliard uh, was a bright spot for a little bit. He's a little bit of a, a scat back, receiving type running back. Uh, not great between the tackles, but if he does get a seam like he did against New England a few weeks ago, you know, he can take off for 65 yards. Um, to your credit, uh, Deontay Foreman's been great between the tackles. Um, more than what I even expected. I expected, you know, a, a, a 1.9, 2.2 carry type of running back. I think he's averaging upper threes, you know, right around three and a half to four yards a carry. Um, that's, that's a, to me, that's a win because if we can get 
the defense to, to eat up in that box a little bit because we're, we're eating up three, four, five yards of carry, you can operate play action on that. It's just the lack of consistency from Deontay Foreman. No, so uh, absolutely. And, and I see that. And, you know, so I flipped this around. And this was something as I was looking at this that, again, just slides under the radar. We've spent time, just you and I, and I mentioned the Dolphins here, and we talk about how they're building themselves to be an elite defense. Over the last three games, the Dolphins are allowing 12 points a game. Over the last three games, the Titans are allowing 12 points a game. And I yeah. can't tell you who you are. I really don't. I, I don't know who the Titans D is. The, the Titans D is built in the front seven now. Um, they're, with the addition of Bud Dupree, now that he's getting a little bit healthy, um, Danico Autry, um, which was, in my opinion, was the one of, you know, not to be a, a homer in a favor, but was one of the biggest steel signings of free agency. We got him for a bargain, uh, and he's been a disruptor. Whether, and a lot of this stuff doesn't show up on the stat sheet either. When you collapse a pocket and you get a quarterback off their spot and you don't allow him to, to continue his, his two or three step drop, five step drop, that's something that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. When you, when you force him to step up in the pocket into a, a Simmons sack or a Bud Dupree sack or a Rashad Evans sack, those are things that won't show up in the stat sheet. So he does a lot of things that aren't measured uh, by statistics and numbers, but we're built, we're built in the front. Uh, obviously, we have a, 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 an all-pro safety in Kevin Byard who seems to just make plays. It doesn't matter if you need it. If you don't, he's just there to make a play. Um, our, our, our defense is as good as our pass rush will take us. And that's, that's just to say this year. Last year, we were way, way behind on pass rush. We, we had one of the worst pass rush ratings. Harold Landry has come along beautifully this year. I think he's got 13 and a half or 14 and a half sacks this year. Um, he's going to be demanding a big contract, you know, come this offseason. Um, but we, we have built a really, really, this year specifically, built a really good foundation uh, through our, our, our front four. And then now we added Zach Cunningham, the former Texans linebacker, um, into the rotation now. So we have David Long, who's been out of the rotation, solid, solid tackler, um, leaves his heart on the field every play, good in coverage. Rashawn Evans, who's more of our run stopper, blitzer type of linebacker. And then you have Jayon Brown, who is similar to David Long, good in coverage, can cover a tight end if need be, good in space. And now Zach Cunningham, which is like a more athletic version of Rashawn Evans. He can play the run really well. That's probably his, his, his forte, his specialty. And then he plays the pass well, too, because he has such good sideline-to-sideline side speed. So our, 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 our defense will take us as far as our front four and then our front seven in total. So how do you approach the Dolphins' offense? You, you, you do everything in your power to slow down Jalen Waddle. <laughs> whether, whether that's shadow him with the safety, whether that's trying to, you know, bump and press him. At, you can't shut him down, in my opinion, because he's used in so many facets. Um, whether it's outside, whether it's on a jet sweep, whether it's wildcat, you can't shut him down. You just have to make it difficult for him. Um, you have to make him him pry and and pick for every yard he can get. Um, and then we have to make it. We have to make the pocket uneasy for for Tua. Um, not to say short QBs can't succeed in the NFL, but I, I've seen a myriad of plays where he has he struggles when he has to step up into the pocket. Um, so if we can keep him from especially rolling out left since he's left-handed, if we can keep him to force him in that pocket to collapse and try to limit Jalen Waddle, we're not going to shut down Waddle. I, I think he's one of the one of the best premier up-and-coming, uh, I'm just going to say players because he's, he's a receiver, but he can be positionless at times. Um, 
limiting Waddle, making it difficult for him, and then forcing Tua off his spots in the pocket, if that makes sense. Um, forcing him to step up, make, making a throw over defenders, um, crashing down linebackers whenever they see him step up. I think that's going to be the keys defensively for us. Absolutely. Well, I keep saying with Waddle, the more that I watch him, man, he just reminds me of a faster version of Jarvis Landry. The kid has hands. He's, he's not electric. afraid to go across the middle. Like, he just – he's a, a magnet for the ball. Um, and, yeah, so that, that turned out real well for us. And he and Tua obviously have a connection. Yeah. Um, you know, The Bama so connection. I, I think what really turned around midseason – was once Tua was back from the injuries that he had um, at the beginning and, and, you know, the finger and all that stuff, is the offensive coordinators, because, I, I mean, you following the Dolphins a little bit, you may know, I mean, Flores went outside of the box. We got two offensive coordinators. So you got two guys calling plays, yeah. coming together, figuring it out. Um, but it's like they finally found an identity, right? They finally figured out how to mask your flaws and how to create an offense around it, mm-hmm. right? And and how do we do that is during these, you know, last, these seven wins, we're committed to the run. Yep. And I'm going to tell you we do it well, and we'll do it with three to four guys. Um, right now, our two lead backs are guys we picked up off the scraps, man. Duke Johnson has come in and been a great addition. And now that Philip Lindsay's healthy, Philip Lindsay's great behind it. Lindsay runs the ball hard up the middle. And just like you said with your guys, we're just hoping to stay ahead of the chains. Yeah. You know? I mean, we, we ran the ball 30 times against New Orleans and averaged about 3.2 yards of carry. Mm-hmm. I mean, we weren't lighting it up, but we, we ran the ball. And, yep. you know, for doing that, it allows the Dolphins' offense to run more of that RPO, right? So now Tua has an option, and we started to mask the, the flaw that we had, which, I mean, they masked it so well that I don't even know if it's really a flaw anymore, but the offensive line at the beginning of the season was an absolute disaster, man. Mm-hmm. It was awful. Um, it was a big contributor to why you guys were one and seven. Sure. It, it couldn't communicate with each other. They, I mean, it, nobody knew who was blocking who. If you stunted on us, just game over, it, you know. Um, but they've started getting the ball out a lot quicker um, and masking those sort of things. And, you know, so, you know, your front seven being as tough as it is, it's going to be important that we hold that line, um, that we at least be able to establish some semblance of a run game uh, in order to work that RPO. Now, you know, I, who are the corners for, for the Titans? So <clears throat> Buster Screen has been out there some. I think he's been a little bit of a nickel corner here at times. Because of some injuries, he's had to go out wide um, every so often. Obviously, we lost our, our first-round draft pick, Caleb Farley. I think we lost him game three or four to a torn ACL for the year. Um, but Christian Fulton is, is I, I guess you would consider him our go-to. Our, our DBs are going to be as good as our pass rush. If we leave those guys on an island for four seconds and, and, and up and you give two is back there and he doesn't even have happy feet, he's, he's sensing no pressure in the pocket at all, I, I have a pretty strong feeling we're probably going to get carved up because besides Kevin Byard and even, even Amani Hooker, Amani Hooker's been playing great football lately too, um, our, our corners – are, are we don't have Xavier Howards and, and Byron Jones is on each side of the field. That's an extreme luxury on, on the Dolphins' behalf is to have two guys that you, they, can, they can almost shut down either side of the field in some cases. Um, we don't have that. We have 
uh, a secondary that leans on the pass rush. The pass rush makes our our sec our corners especially. Now, I wouldn't say Kevin Byard and Imani Hooker, but they make our corners look good. Um, Christian Fulton, if 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 he doesn't get beat over the top and he can keep you in front of him, he's a he's a nasty little badger type uh, DB. He's good with his hands. He's a good open field tackler, similar with Buster Screen. Um, so, I mean, can can they cover Jalen Waddle? Uh, <laughs> I'm not super confident in it. Uh, not one on one anyway, and I don't think anyone really can. I, I hope beyond hope that that Monday night showing um, has put some extra attention on Jalen Waddle, because if it has, you know, we had two guys on Monday night who you didn't even barely hear their name called that are playmakers. Devontae Parker can still make plays on the outside. He's not AJ Brown. But Devontae Parker can make plays. Um, even he was think, locked down I, by Lattimore. Yeah, I don't think he had a catch uh, Monday night. No. He only had one target in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Lattimore was on him the whole time. And then Mike Gesicki. Um, Gesicki had a couple of catches. But Gesicki does this. And I don't know if it's the way the offense goes or if it's Gesicki. But you can kind of tell in the first quarter, is he coming to play or not? Yeah. Um, I, and I thought he was committing suicide on, on Monday night. Like, what are you doing? Where was trying to dive over going? three people? Right. Where was the hurdle going? And then you just touch your head. Like, I don't. <laughs> if, if, it, if, anyway. it, if it was a, if it was an end zone dive, it's like okay, we're, we're getting somewhere. But you're doing it on the 35 yard line. <laughs> yeah, like it made I don't even, who knows. But I mean, you know, right now the other thing is, you know, we've still got a couple of guys in in COVID protocol that you know what they're a luxury we played without them all year but Preston Williams and Albert Wilson Albert Wilson when he's healthy was starting to get a little bit involved um you know but everything is going to start off of what uh what attention goes to Waddle and what we do with Waddle um you know I I noticed watching the Titans D in in what I saw in the past two games is if an offense makes a mistake you guys seem very opportunistic. Like you don't miss many mistakes. If a ball gets on the ground, you get it. If a throw sails, you catch it. Um, yeah. You know, I, it, they they just seem to be where they should be to take advantage of those mistakes. So I'm worried about Tua because Tua will inevitably once or twice a game throw a ball that none of us really know where it's going. Um, that pick six with the Jets, and then the first time he tried to push the ball down the field in New Orleans, you're like, I don't even. Uh, so yeah. That that worries me because honestly, I think we just need to manage the game. I think our defense matches up pretty well with the offense. I think this could be another. Um, uh, ha- had the Saints been fully healthy, I expected to see a struggle of a nine to nothing game or something like that, or nine to six. I, I think this game absolutely can turn into one of those defensive struggles as well. Um, both defenses absolutely. are good and the offensive have flaws. Um, so, you know, it could be, it could be an ugly battle. Um, that being said, uh, every time I've thought that it could turn into a shootout too. Who knows? <laughs> um, but, but I like our playmakers. I think I personally think on the Dolphins side, um, we have a few more playmakers available Yes. Than what the Titans are rolling out. Absolutely. So if Tua doesn't make mistakes, uh, I think we we have a decent shot in this. I think I think realistically, from a from a Dolphins perspective, if if 
if, if the ball's not left in Tua's hands to make the play, if, if it can be put in a Waddle hand or a Gasicki or a, a Devontae Parker or Duke Johnson, it's going to be tough for the Titans to stop. Now, if we can keep the ball in Tua's hands for longer than it has to be and force him to make a play, I think that's where you see the Titans' defense um, become that opportunistic bunch that they had been the past few weeks. Uh, I, I know we dropped a pick against San Francisco, um, but we had, a, we had a great showing defensively um, in Los Angeles against the Rams a few weeks back um, where we had, uh, we had David Long picked it off, returned it to like the four or five yard line. Uh, Kevin Byard returned to pick six that game. So if, if we can force, if we can force Tua to have to make the play himself, whether it's running, whether it's extending a play and, and throwing something into coverage that, you know, he's not necessarily comfortable with, which he's been known to do a time or two. I think that's when our defense can show that opportunistic side of themselves. Yeah, and, you know, it's, again, like, so we went over that part. We'll start wrapping up kind of our thoughts on where we're at with the game and what that is. And and I'll just go straight, you know, from the Miami side again, what's driving me absolutely nuts at this point is it doesn't matter who it is, and I try to turn off the talking heads, but, like, there's no one out there that that makes anything of this, you know. And and I was at the beginning of the year, Isaac will tell you, who helps us out and, and leads everything over at FL Teams, uh, mid-season, I almost bailed on my Dolphins podcast. I think I took a week <laughs> off. I'm like, if this is really where we're going to be, like, I'm out. You know, yeah. I'm like, I can't. Because I knew the talent was there and it just wasn't coming together. This wasn't like the the, the floor, first year that Flores came in. I expected to get railroaded all the time. Oh, we sure. lose to Jacksonville and lose to Atlanta. And I'm like, man, I can't. Like, I hate my friends were laughing at me because I'm like, I'm looking for a new team, man. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> this is really who they are. Then I'm out. Um, about to, about to but, turn your fandom allegiance to the Eagles, huh? I, I am saying, I was like, look, at some <laughs> point, like, I felt like I was in an abusive relationship. I'm like, at some yeah. point, how many more punches I got to take? Before you, know, you start punching back. <laughs> right. I'm like, I've been doing this for going on 30 years, man. I can't. <laughs> you know, one playoff win. Like, yeah. Um, but – but as it started to turn, it's like it stayed there. Tua is completing 70% of his passes in the NFL. Yeah. He leads the league in completions, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and when we go back, I know you talked about Tannehill's numbers. Look, Tua, with almost uh, 180 less attempts, has 15 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, like, Tua has not had – look, he's – He's not doing what Joe Burrow did. He's not going to throw for 400 sure. yards and five touchdowns. He's not. He doesn't have Justin Herbert's arm. Okay, all those things. But when you look back at it in the NFL, it's about finding a guy in the system and making that system work around what their strengths are. Two is accurate. He can throw guys open. Um, you know, he still makes some rookie mistakes and pushing the ball in the wrong places. Um, but you know, in I, I am the most pessimistic fan when I come to like keeping uh, my expectations low. But when mm-hmm. I started thinking about this after that Dolphins podcast pissed me off, I'm like, you know what, man? I ain't staying Super Bowl, but the Bucks won a Super Bowl with Brad Johnson. <laughs> yeah. The Ravens yeah. won a Super Bowl with 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 like Trent Dilfer. Yeah, this can yeah. be done. Hey. The Seattle Seahawks went to a Super Bowl with Matt Hasselbeck. <laughs> Thank you. And, and let's be realistic. The Patriots early on won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. Brady wasn't always Brady, no. right? I mean, they had a great defense, and they, they shuffled guys in and ran the ball. And um, so I look back at that, and it's like, 
you know, I just feel like there's such disrespect um, that the only way the Dolphins are going to get any respect is they are going to have to come out and beat a team like Tennessee on the road. And if that happens, then maybe, you know, there will be a little more respect put on what they've done. Um, I saw I was early in the week, I was kind of laughing with the Saints fan where I was like, hey, man, the football gods are smiling on us. I heard Taylor Luan was on the COVID list. Like, no such luck. He's back. Yeah. But, um, you know, this Dolphins team, man, they, they play together well. Um, they have built connections. It's something that you always hear. They talk about they, they hang out off the field more than, than any team. So you see that kind of camaraderie. And I think this is, you know, it's a put up or shut up game. So I expect Flores to have the team ready. Um, you know, with dealing with Vrabel, like those Belichick guys, they're no nonsense. It's Flores, no play. It's, it's business, business, and then business. That's all it is. Yep. Every Dolphin in every press conference, when they're asked about anything, they're like, we think about one play at a time, one game at yep. a time, one play at a time. One, yep. Just getting better every day. Just getting better yep. every day. That's it. Yep. Um, so I, I think you'll have them ready. To the extent that I laugh, it, you know, it made all the things when Christian Wilkins scored a touchdown a couple weeks ago uh, against the Jets. And he did his whole, you know, he did the uh, the Lambo leap and almost broke like two 60-year-olds. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Could have been so bad. <laughs> he could have been bad. And then, and then he gets out and does the caterpillar, he does the worm, and then he does yeah. a spin rooney And uh, they asked Flores about it in the press conference, and Flores goes, well, we only get 40 seconds between the score and the kickoff. I got to talk to Christian because we allowed that in two seconds. Like, he's like, I stopped watching when he spun. I mean, and then somebody asked Christian about it. He was like, oh, I got all these dance moves. He was like, but I got real close to the clock. So, you know, Flores grabbed him when he came back to the sideline. No, I, I, I bet he gave him a little miniature earful. I'm sure. So I think, I think the Dolphins are going to come out, um, you know, playing for our playoff life. Last year, we got that stomped out of us in an embarrassing fashion in Buffalo in week 17. Um, so I think, you know, they're going to come out motivated. And if the defense can, again, find a way to just keep AJ Brown in check. Um, I think, I think we got a real good shot at this. Um, and I think, I so think there's the going to be a lot of, where you're at. I think there's going to be a lot of entertainment with this because it, it's, you know, it, I, I'm sure everything wasn't peachy when Tannehill left the dolphins. Um, this is, this is the first meeting between Tennessee and, and Miami since 2018, which was actually, I think we had like five or six lightning delays during that game. I think it went down in NFL history as the longest running game in NFL history. Um, so there's some oddities, obviously, that come along with, with uh, you know, Titans, Dolphins matchups. Um, I think there's 38 meetings. I think we've had 38 meetings together over time overall. Um, but I think this one's going to be a little bit more special just because of the quarterback that's involved on the Titans' behalf. I, uh, I, I think Tannehill knows – now seeing what he's doing with with Tennessee, that there was no adjustments to make him the best he could be in Miami. Um, we're obviously seeing it now. Arthur Smith implemented the offense last year before he left for Atlanta. This um, uh, uh, run first, play action, dink it. Let's take a shot after we get play action going. Type of offense, and um, I, I think as as nice as he's going to be to the public about it and to the media about it. I think he's going to have a little bit of an edge to him uh, this week. And, and um, I, I hope we see it translate obviously positively for Titans fans um, on the field. I hope he doesn't let his emotions, he's a professional, I know, but your emotion can still get the best of you when something like that happens. It, it's, 
it doesn't matter how long you've been in the league. Um, I'm sure LeBron James has had jitters when he's gone back to Cleveland, you know, after still being the year for, for or in the league for 17, 18, 19 years. So um, I, I think there's going to be a little bit of extra oomph in this matchup because of, uh, of the, the Miami Dolphins, Ryan Tannehill. He was essentially written off after his departure from Miami, came to Tennessee. The only reason he got in is because Mariota was doing so daggum bad. If Mariota had even been a shell of himself coming out of Oregon to Tennessee, we wouldn't be having this Ryan Tannehill conversation right now. You're right. But because of the way he was kind of written off, and then he comes in and he sparks a six-game win streak or an eight-game win streak for Tennessee, um, or six and two in his last eight games, they make the playoffs, they have a good push. Um, I think there's going to be a little bit more for him to play for uh, besides trying to win the division and, and trying to get to the playoffs. I think there's going to be a little underlying motivation to Tannehill's game this weekend. You know, in the situation in Tennessee couldn't happen to a better guy. Oh, Tannehill yes. really is a class act. I mean, I saw it. There was never stability in Miami. There wasn't stability in offensive coordinators and head coaches in the direction the team was going to go. Um, you know, Tannehill couldn't get his legs under him, you know. And then um, the Adam Gase, you know, that just, you know, that kind of did it. The one year it looked like it was going to click and then he gets hurt and, you know, everything's yep. a mess. And, um, but Tannehill handled everything with class. Um, and much like, much like Tua, I think one of the reasons Tua has grown on me is through everything that the media has continued to push or to push and to push and all the stuff around him Tua just, you know, he just handles it like a pro says all the right things, you know? Um, but yeah, I think, I think Ryan's going to want to come out and stick it to Miami. Absolutely. And then he would feel real good about knowing that he took the Dolphins essentially. I mean, look, we control our own destiny. We lose to Tennessee. Some things have to happen um, for us to get in. Um, So, you know, Tennessee could not only, you know, close out your division, but then Tannehill kicked the Dolphins out. That that certainly wouldn't hurt it. Um, I'm sure that's on the back of his mind a little bit. Hey, I can almost mathematically end these guys' season – you know, uh, they would have to have, you know, leaps and bounds of things to happen, uh, dominoes to fall that don't normally fall for them to be able to make that playoff run if they were to lose to the Titans this Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like you said, there's a lot of great storylines here. You know, the other great storyline that we didn't even touch on is legitimately Brian Flores used to coach Mike Rabel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I think – Somebody asked him about that in the press conference. He was like, ah, I was young when I was there. I don't know that I coached him as much as he coached me. He was, and that was when um, uh, uh, Flores was a special teams coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and mm-hmm. Rabel, was the co- uh, Rabel was a player then. Yeah, I do, I do remember that. I do remember that. Yeah. So, um, you know, there, there's that whole, you know, these are the only two that have that come to my mind that have fallen off the Belichick tree that have had, you know, any – sort of sense of success. I mean, a couple have for a year or so, but um, I think, you know, what, what Vrabel's done in Tennessee is, is awesome. He's built a, an identity of a team. Uh, I think the two teams are built very similar um, because of who's, you know, putting those together. Um, so I think we're going to see two very similar teams um, and both playing for something. So, I mean, hell, man, what more could you ask for in week 17 of an NFL season, you know? Uh, two teams that that have stuff on the line, um, a history, and you know a couple of little storylines underneath that I think is going to be a hell of a game. I tell you what, it, it, as a Titans fan, if we lose this game and let's say Indy were to win this Sunday, just looking at it from a division perspective, 
if I'm a Titans fan, Indy is a team I don't want to see first round of the playoffs. They're they're with how Jonathan Taylor's playing, with how that that defense is nasty. Their front seven is nasty. Darius Leonard, in my opinion, should probably be in that upper echelon of defensive player of the year candidates this year. Uh, if I'm Tennessee, more than just collecting a vision, division title, I don't want to match up with a team like that in my first round come playoffs. No, I don't think anybody's going to want to see them first round of the playoffs, let alone a division foe as, as the Titans. Oh, you know what? Hey, while we're talking about teams that are winning with mediocre quarterbacks, Carson Wentz. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Came out of nowhere. Is that not an example? Came, like, came out of nowhere this year. You know, it, you know, it's uh, all the Philly guys are, are eating that up too, where they're like, as long as Wentz don't have to win the game, Indy will be fine. And uh, I'll tell you one thing that Carson Wentz does have that he didn't even have a shell of in Indianapolis is Jonathan Taylor. Man. Similar to what Ryan Tannehill, the 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 things he's been able to reap from with with Derrick Henry. Carson Wentz is doing that exact same thing with uh, Jonathan Taylor. And if you look at that receiving core that Carson Wentz has, Michael Pittman's kind of coming along. Pascal is not what he's supposed to be. They, they, I mean, they don't really have a good – Mo Ali Cox is a decent tight end just because of his athleticism. They don't really have many weapons for him to throw to either. So if he's not handing the ball off, their MO is similar to Tennessee's too. It's, it's run first, play action, then we take our shots. So – like a couple things have haunted me, right? And, and one, I had to get over quick. I wanted Herbert. It's no secret. Oh, I, I said it everywhere. It's everywhere. It's anywhere it could be. I thought Herbert, he had the body. He had the arm. That's a guy you build a franchise around. And they're doing a great job of that right now. They're going to, I mean, obviously, you know, they're still kind of in the hunt, but I mean, they're doing a great job of it. Um, but I got over that one. The one that's haunting me now is we passed on Jonathan Taylor. Oh. to draft Noah Igbenogany. I know, I if know. you don't know the name, why would you? I knew um, the name then. Nobody knows yeah. it now. <laughs> yeah, we're like, oh, man. Oh, man, that one just stings. That one hurts. Not um, only that, but could you could you imagine Justin Herbert with, with the offensive weapons that you guys – minus the running backs because it's a little bit of a tandem. Jalen Waddle, Devontae – and he would be using Devontae Parker more than what he's being used now. Could you imagine Justin Herbert with with the defense that Miami's been putting on the field now as well? They don't they don't have even half of that that that, that offense and with the with the I mean that defense with the Chargers right now is about as poor as it gets. Yeah, they have I mean, a terrible when, when Herbert can take one step and just drop it fifty freaking yard. I mean, you know, I just he's just built. And plus, look, I became a Dolphins fan because of Marino. Herbert just kind of had that Marino swag to me just a yep. little bit. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, the draft things, right? Like draft night, I was really worked up about the fact that we drafted Javon Holland um, before we went after Najee or, you know, uh, uh, the Williams, you know, out of uh, uh, Javante Williams. I really wanted to run. Oh, the running back from uh, North right. Carolina. Yeah. Right. And um, I, I was worked up that we grabbed Holland before the him and now couldn't be happier. Javon Holland to me is the piece that brought this all together. And if you if you if you watch him too, when he when he hits people, he's got a Jamal Adams feel to him, but has ball skills and can play coverage, which obviously Jamal Adams can't do. But when he comes up and hits you, he's not the biggest safety out there either. He's put together real well. He's lean and he's got a lot of speed and velocity to him. When he hits you, you remember him. 
we, we tried to do what we're doing with Javon Holland with Mika Fitzpatrick and Mika yeah. cried like a baby and yeah. got his mom involved to get traded yeah. to Pittsburgh. Prima Donna, <laughs> man. A little, I'll a little forever diva. hate Mika. I'll, I'll forever hate Mika for that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, but, it, dude, it, it's an exciting time. You see this next generation of NFL quarterbacks, which is really cool. Um, yeah. You see the Burroughs, and you see, you know, these are guys that are going to be around for a long time. At, it's just a, it's as a, your Aaron Rodgers and your Roethlisberger's and your yep. Russ Wilson's are working their way out, you know, that, that next stable is coming through. And, God, I wish I didn't have one of them in my division. I, I, Mac Jones don't do nothing to me. I'm sorry. But but Josh Allen, <laughs> I don't want to play that kid for the next 10 I think, years. I, Mac, I think Mac Jones – uh, that team in itself, uh, Belichick aside, because we know he's probably, if not one of, if not the greatest pro football coaches in NFL history, um, that that team is going to go as far as that defense takes it. They're, they are not going to put the ball in Matt Jones's hands and say, throw it 28 to 35 times and go win us a football game. He's going to turn around. He's going to hand it off to Damian Harris. Uh, he's going to finish. He's going to uh, occasionally find Jacoby Myers or, or, or Kendrick Bourne or, or, or Nelson Aguilar for a dump off, and that's going to be it. I, I'm not worried about anything that Mac Jones has put on tape thus far this year. No. And so, you know, I, that would be sweet to be able to, to handle New England, um, and that would exercise a lot of demons for a lot of folks. It's kind of funny. Flores has to go through two, of, two, two New England, you know, back-to-back. Yep. Back. If you're getting there, Brian, that's how you got to get there. Well, and he's got he's got uh, Joe Robinson watching him from the press box too because he's got New England ties as well. So he's got he's got <laughs> Robinson watching him from the press box, and he's got Brayball on the other side of the sidelines watching him. And if he gets through that, then he has to play the boss level, which is Belichick. Yeah, yeah that's that's the final boss. Yeah, <laughs> the final boss. Hey, man, this has been awesome. So look, dude, I would absolutely love uh, like last week. Um, you know, we'll pick a time, get together next week after the game, uh, kind of do a little yeah. recap if you're up for it on uh, Monday or Tuesday, man. Uh, get together, talk this, and uh, you know, just talk some football. That'd be awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm down to talk football anytime anyone wants to. It don't matter when or where. Man, this has been this has been awesome, EJ. Absolutely love it, man. Um, so absolutely, all you guys out there, um, EJ, uh, he's not all over the social medias, but uh, you know, you'll find him in the article link here. Uh, really appreciate this, man. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, you guys don't forget flteams.com, bringing this all together for us. Uh, putting this together um, and you know what tune in on Sunday it's going to be a hell of a game so look forward to uh, coming back and recapping that I appreciate it can't wait man thanks for having me all right buddy cool thanks